Hey, my name is Brian Golden. I'm the lead pastor of Centerpoint Church. And I just want to personally thank you for listening to our podcast. And I also want to invite you wherever you are around the country or in the Tampa Bay area to join our digital online campus at centerpointfl.org. And here's what you need to know. Our vision is to create an alternative to church as usual for all people. And all that means is, regardless of whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus, you're new to faith, you're investigating faith, or you don't even know what you believe, our goal is for you to feel like you belong, even if you never believe. And so thank you again for listening, and I hope today's message encourages you and helps you. We are in part two of this series called To Hell With Normal. And so let me catch you up real quick, and then we'll dive into where I want to go today. But the whole idea behind it has been this. Like a lot of what we call normal or we just kind of move along with that we label normal is not working. And it hasn't worked for a long time. And so when we talk about, and this has been a huge part of our language for good reason over this last like 10, 11 months, is we want to return to normal. And the thing that you have to ask is, what is your definition of normal? Because for a lot of us, what normal is like Monday through you know, Sunday, what normal is in terms of the emotions that we feel, what normal is in terms of the pace of our life is not something we should go back to. In fact, here was our definition of normal last week. Normal in our culture is overwhelmed, busy, distracted, anxious, social media addicted, and always in a hurry. Like for a lot of us, that's just normal. And that's what everybody does. And it doesn't matter like what stage of life. If you're retirement age, you're like, I'm busier than ever. If you're single, college, busier than ever. If your parents have four kids like we're doing right now, busier than ever. But everybody's busier than ever. Like you ask anybody how they're doing and kind of the measure of success is, no, don't worry, I'm busier than I've ever been. Like that's kind of like sign of success in our culture. Um, John Mark Comer makes this statement. I think it's true. It's like the thing though is anxiety and anxiety levels are kind of the canary in the coal mine which is like, you gotta pay attention to that. And before we ever had an epidemic or a pandemic over this last year, anxiety rates nationally rose 39%, which is an emotional epidemic. Like it's a big deal. The average teenager today has the same anxiety rates of a psychiatric patient of the 1950s. So you just have to ask the question of like, is normal working and do we want to go back to normal. And so the question that we started with last week that I think is such a clarifying question is this. What is the price of your current pace? Like what's the price of your pace? Meaning just look at your life, an area of your life, all of your life, what you're doing in terms of your parenting, your marriage, your schedule, what it looks like to get it all done, all the activities you're trying to cram in, the Amazon shopping for really no reason, you don't even know why you're doing it, Netflix binging, social media like 20 hours a week, like all the stuff that you accumulate, whatever it is, Like, what is the price of your pace? Because everybody is running their life at some kind of pace. You know what I'm talking about? It's just the rhythm of how you do life. It's how you schedule your life. It's kind of the the flow of how you do things. And you've got to ask the question, like, if I go at my current pace, where am I going to end up? Because there is always price associated with it. And one of the first things to go in our hurry culture is awareness. And so you can live in a direction for a long time thinking that somehow I'm gonna live in this direction, but I'm gonna pray my way into this direction and it just doesn't work that way. 
You have to have awareness because awareness creates wisdom and wisdom ultimately is the catalyst for change in your life. And by wisdom, I just mean this. The world was set up to work a certain way. It's cause and effect, it's sow and reap. If you make decisions in this direction, guess what? That's the direction you're gonna end up in life. And so you need enough space and awareness to be able to ask the questions of, hey, do I like where I'm heading in my marriage? Like, do I like where I'm heading with my parenting? At this current pace, do I like what it's doing to my emotional health? But what is the price, ultimately, of my pace? Now, here's the thing. With our pace and rhythm of life and schedules, like, most of them, or a lot of what we do is driven by really good desires. Like, this is not, these aren't choices between, like, good and evil. This is, you have really good desires that's driving a lot of what you do. Desires for success, desires for achievement, desires for recognition, desire to enjoy part of your life, desires to, like, make a mark, desires to matter, desires to, to feel worthy, and all of those are good desires. In fact, I would make the argument that God's placed those desires in you. In fact, one of my favorite verses is what David wrote. He said, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Not like you pray, God's gonna give you everything you want, but literally God has placed unique and specific desires in you for the life that he has for you. And there is one reason why he's placed those inside of you, to fulfill them. That God wants to do something in you as you seek to follow him, to go after his will, his destiny for your life. But God is for you. God is not against your fulfillment, your success, your achievement. Delight yourself in him. He has given you a race to run in this life. And he wants to fulfill and transform literally the desires of your heart. But here's the reality with all of our desires. All of the good desires that you have in you, all of them are governed by the fact that you have limited capacity. And here's the thing, we don't like to talk about limits anywhere in our society, anywhere in our culture. In fact, even in the church, like we love to rip verses out of context, mount up on wings like eagles and just overcome all of your limits. Okay, maybe, but sometimes it's actually a really healthy thing to lean into your limits. But we don't like limits. We don't like limits on anything. You don't like limits on your speed. Um, you don't like anybody in culture telling you what to do. Like autonomy is kind of one of our gods. We want to do what we want, when we want. And I may not even have an objection to something, but if you tell me to do it, I'm not going to do it because autonomy is everything. And autonomy, by the way, is a train wreck if you move it out to its ultimate conclusion. But we don't like anybody telling us what we do. We don't like speed limits. We don't like budget limits. I mean, some of you are like, a budget? What? Like we don't like anybody telling us what to do. But all of us have limits. All of us have limited capacity in every area of your life. Like your IQ at some level is a limit. Your education is a limit. Where you were born at some level may be a limit. Socioeconomic status is a limit. Like your emotional or physical health is a limit. I mean, to quote John Mark Comer, like your kids are a limit. Like I love my kids. I love parenting my kids, but I could just rename them from Brooke on down, limit number one, limit number two, limit number three, because there's other stuff that I can't do if I'm gonna invest in parenting them well. All of us have, we don't like to talk about them, we like to overcome them, just you need to go after it, blah, 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 and all of that is great, but the reality is you have a limited capacity on your life. And now here's the thing, you have limited capacity, but you have limitless desires. And those desires, again, are not wrong and they're not bad, but they were created to be governed. They were created to have a lid on them. And we're, as we're gonna talk about, that's actually one of the ways that God leads you into his will and his destiny for your life. But like, here's the thing about desires, I've talked about this often, is that desires are like appetites. The more 
you feed any appetite or any appetite that is left unchecked and ungoverned, every appetite grows. And so the more that you feed it, the more that it grows. The more that you feed it, the more that those desires grow until eventually your limitless desires are overextending your limited capacity. But it's true for all of us, like that's just the nature. And here's the thing about this, is that our desires when left unchecked, they end up driving our schedules. They drive what we do, they drive what we try to achieve, they drive what we try to cram in, they drive the number of activities with our kids, they drive the number of hours we spend on social media, they drive, I mean, every part of your life. Like, all of those things matter in terms of your lifestyle. And then one of the big ones in regard to our, our, our lifestyle in regard to our desires is consumption. And consumption by itself is not wrong. But a desire left unchecked starts to get out of control, and it affects every part of your life, including your schedule. Here, a couple things on this real quick that I just find interesting. And again, um, we, we put out a resource this week. It's such a great resource for this series called um, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. And he talks about this specific idea right here in, in really brilliant terms. But here's the reality like for us as Americans. You're not an American watching us. This may still apply to you. But here's the thing. The number one leisure activity right now in the United States is shopping which I don't understand, but like that's the number, like demeaning, you don't even have to buy anything. You just shop for hours, like on Amazon for a lot of us or whatever. And, and more and more in our culture today, like 2021, we have this idea that the more we consume anything or the more we get, it doesn't have to be just money, it's just anything, the happier we're gonna become. And a lot of us won't say that audibly, but it's what we believe. And here's what's so interesting is that idea wasn't even present 100 years ago. Like before World War II, we were basically an agricultural society. Like you bartered, you traded, like nobody even bought into the illusion. So this is somewhat of a new tension that if I just get more or buy more, I'm gonna be happier. No, nobody thought that. And then after World War II, and this is not a surprise or new information for you, it's just this what happened, is that like corporate moguls came up with a strategy that we are gonna create a consumeristic economy. Like that's what we're gonna do. So literally we are going to move people in the direction of spending more than they have on things that they don't need. And again, I'm not telling you anything that, that that's, just, that's just what happened. And so we began to be driven in this direction. In fact, Jeremy Lent in his book, and I don't, honestly don't know who he was quoting, um, but he quoted one of these guys right after World War II that was a part of kind of this corporate um, reorganization. And, and this guy said this, this is somewhere late 40s. He said, we must shift America from a needs to a desire culture. People must be trained to desire to want new things. And he goes on to say, and to want them before they even need them. And then he ends with this, man's desires must overshadow his needs. And like, that's where we live, right? Like in every area of our life in regard to desires, in fact, all of the advertising is, is moved in this direction. They're not, they're not appealing to your prefrontal co cortex, right? Like they are appealing to the irrational side of you that goes, I don't really need this, but for some reason, every fall I line up for a new iPhone and my previous iPhone is absolutely fine or like whatever it is. I'm not hating on you because your iPhone. I'm just saying like this thing of, I don't know if I really even need it, but I just want it. And they got this from Freud because Freud was the one that said, listen, you're not nearly as autonomous and rational as you think you are. And in fact, in a lot of cases, you are driven by irrational desires and you feed them 
and they grow and they get bigger and you have the illusion that somehow I'm gonna fulfill the need of achievement and success and recognition and worth and enjoyment if I can just get more. Now, one more interesting thing and I'll move on just because I thought it was fascinating is that a study was done um, by Gallup, Dr. Um, Deaton from Princeton and somewhat recent study, 450,000 Gallup surveys. And they basically wanted to get this benchmark on like how much can money attribute to your happiness. And the reality is money can attribute to your happiness to a point, specifically if you're poor. Like money like can be a tool that, yeah, like I enjoy having more. I enjoy not being poor. But here's what they found is there's a lid to it. And at $75,000, no matter where you live, they determined from this survey that basically your emotional well-being is as good as it's going to get. Now, that's different based on if you're urban context or whatever, you're single, it's not even gonna be as much money. This is just a, an average, but basically like, can money, if used right, contribute to happiness? Absolutely, but even that has a limit. And beyond that, $75,000, it is the law of diminishing return. Like you keep chasing it, thinking it's gonna give you more, and it doesn't. The desires just keep growing. And here's the reality for all of us, as I've already said, it affects every part of our schedule and every part of our lifestyles. And those desires are not wrong, but those desires were were made and were created by God to be governed. And here's the reality. You know that your desires have become unhealthy when they take you beyond your capacity. So as you look at your life and you look at your schedule and and you just see it as a schedule, but the reality is a lot of the areas where your life is out of whack and out of control, it's because your desires have become unhealthy. And it's why they're taking you beyond your capacity where you start to say things like, I don't really have enough time, but I feel like I just need to say yes anyway. Or like, it's hurting my marriage, but I just feel like I have to achieve it anyway and it'll work out and she'll be fine. And like, it's not forever. And we lie to ourselves. Or I'm not real, I don't even know if this is the best thing, but honestly, if I'm not involved in this, I'm afraid of what they're gonna think about me. I'm afraid if I pull out, what, like what ramifications that's gonna have. Or like, I, listen, I don't know if my kid's even interested in this. I don't know if they're even good at this. Let's be honest, they suck at this, but I'm just afraid of like, if I get my kid out of this, like they're gonna fall behind. I'm afraid of what's gonna happen. Or like, I don't like the number of time. I mean, some averages 30 hours a week on social media for some people, but I just can't quit the dopamine hit of validation and compare myself to everybody else. And it's driving our schedules. And our limited capacity has been overrun by our limitless desires. Now, when you say all that, and we look at our schedule and maybe how we feel emotionally or the fact of I don't like this and everybody calls it normal, but it's not really good for my life, my marriage, my parenting, and where I wanna go with my future. So the natural kind of conclusion is we'll just stop it. Like just go home, get a sheet, rearrange your schedule, say no to some stuff, say yes to better stuff, and like just get your life in order, let's pray and go home. But, no, it sounds easy, but you've tried that, right? You try that all the time and it doesn't work. And here's where the tension comes in that's not as easy as me just closing in prayer and saying, get your crap together. This is why it is so difficult to do, listen to me because every single desire competes for your identity. Every single desire, all of those good desires, achievement, progress, success, enjoyment. Like I want to, I want to move forward, I wanna get my kid into whatever. All of those things are good, and in fact, God has placed those in your heart. But every single desire in you 
competes for your identity. And the thing is, identity is that place in in you that basically kind of answers the question of who I am. And identity is powerful because identity shapes your lifestyle. Identity shapes what you do. Identity literally is the outflow of all your decision-making. It comes back to what you think about you. Like identity is really, really powerful and it basically comes from these questions in the soul of every human being that asks this basically, am I measuring up? Am I missing out? Am I keeping up? Am I mattering? Am I okay? And I'm just telling you, you maybe have not asked those questions in that language, your soul is asking that question. And a lot of the desires that we're pursuing are an effort to, can I get an answer to those questions? And basically, I would sum up the tension like this, and this is for all of us that started in the Garden of Eden. We basically ping pong between these two kind of tensions, and it is, I'm enough, am I enough? Like, I'm enough, am I enough? And it is amazing how quickly that pendulum swings for us a lot of times. Like, I move from, I'm enough to, Am I enough because of a business failure? Sometimes because of a couple words that were spoken. In some cases because I'm going, I don't know if I compare to them. And in in an instant I can move from I'm enough to I'm not sure if I'm enough. But the tension within every single human heart is to get the answer to those questions. And it is human nature that we would look to really good desires in our life to be the answer to that tension of am I enough? And it's driving what we do. It's driving our activities. It's driving, listen to me, how you spend your time. It is catapulting what you are doing with your life and with your schedule. And it's why it hasn't been as easy for you to go, well, I just need to change this. Because identity is powerful. And when your identity is rooted in really good desires that start to become the means to answer those questions about whether you're enough, all of a sudden things get out of whack. And just listen to me, and this is really the bottom line. When you misplace your identity, you will always overextend your capacity. When you misplace your identity, you will always overextend your capacity because your desires are never fully and finally satisfied. They don't stop when the schedule fills up or the money runs out. They just keep wanting more. And the effort is, I just need to get an answer to the question of, am I enough? And so for some of you, it's been all about your schedule. It's been all about what you're doing with your time management. But there is, for a lot of us, a deeper issue. And where you find yourself overextending your capacity, it's not just because you're making bad scheduling decision or you need to get a journal. It's because you have misplaced your identity and it's making it very difficult for you to say no. That's why one of my favorite um, guys in the Old Testament who's incredibly real, I love his story, was a guy by the name of Solomon. And he wrote... Um, incredible literature. So like, here's what I'd say if you're trying to investigate, I'm not sure about the Jesus thing, you should start with like this book called Proverbs or Ecclesiastes because there's none of the Jesus thing in there. And it's basically just literally wisdom literature. This is how life works. This is cause and effect, sow and reap, information about business and relationships. But Solomon was this incredible figure in the Old Testament. And basically he decides, I'm going to run every desire to its ultimate end, and I'm not gonna put any limits on it. Like literally, he's the only guy, I think, in history that can fully do this. This guy was a poet, he was a scientist, 
He was an incredible writer. He was an incredible builder. He was an incredible leader. Like, he had everything. So you look at Solomon's life, he, he had more money than you're ever gonna have. He had more women than you're gonna ever have. He's Home Depot weekend warrior times a thousand building the temple in Jerusalem. The guy, like his parties, dwarf, your freshman kegger, like anything that you can stack up, Solomon has overdone it times a million. Elon Musk times a thousand is Solomon in the Old Testament. Are you with me? So like, this is the guy. And so he basically says, okay, listen, I'm the only one that has enough money to actually pursue everything. Here's the difference between us and Solomon. We always think there's one more carrot to chase. Solomon's like, no, no, I chased all the carrots. Like I had the means to get everything that I wanted. So I'm just gonna do it and I'm gonna see what happens. And God's basically like, no, you should do that. And then we're gonna write a book on it because it's gonna be really helpful for people. And Solomon begins to just, I mean, indulge himself to where all of these limitless desires, there's no capacity limits on any of them. And here's what he writes. I just wanna read a couple of verses. He says this in Ecclesiastes 4, verse seven. He said, again, I saw something meaningless under the sun. And here's, here's the whole, if you ever read Ecclesiastes, which do it in one sitting, otherwise you'd be really depressed. But here's, here's what Solomon's saying in Ecclesiastes. Like, listen, it's, it's not, life is not meaningless. The key phrase in the whole book is under the sun. If this is all we have, it's meaningless. If your desires that you're chasing are the means for you to be okay, to achieve, to have success, to feel worthy, life will end up meaningless. You will keep chasing desires that will overpromise and underdeliver. So he's like, if this is all there is, there's not much to look forward to. Verse eight. And then he said, and he starts to describe this guy. There was a man all alone who had neither son or brother, meaning nobody to leave his estate to, women couldn't inherit, but he's achieved and worked his whole life. And then he says this, and there was no end to his toil. Meaning Solomon's like, there's this guy and I'm this guy, Solomon would say, he just kept achieving, kept trying to make progress, kept filling up his schedule, kept, I mean, everything that he could get, he got, he got the market share, he like achieved he was recognized and applauded by everybody else around him, but he could never stop. And when the schedule filled up, he just kept going and there was no end to his toil. Yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. Like the more, you should pronounce that wealth. I don't know where that came from. His eyes were not content with his wealth because the more that he got, the more that he wanted. The more that he ran down, the more that he's just kept trying to answer the question, am I enough? Is this enough? Am I okay? But he was never content with what he had. And then he stopped and asked a question that some of us, and this is so powerful, so huge, I think so insightful. We've never asked this question. You've never asked this question about your life. You've never asked this question about your schedule. He says this, for whom, end of verse eight, am I toiling? Basically, paraphrase, why am I doing what I'm doing? And I'm not saying it's bad. He's just going, but I, I at least need to ask myself this question. Like, why am I chasing this? Why do I feel the need to keep up with them? Why do I keep driving us into those seven activities and I can't say no to any of them? Why do I feel like this always has to be perfect? And if I were honest, I'm always exhausted, always I'm always in a hurry and I get it's normal. That's what everybody does. And we're in that season of life. It's funny, everybody's always in a season of life, but those seasons of life never end. And he's, he's like, I just have to stop to ask the question, like, to, who am I toiling? Who am I competing with? Who am I trying to measure up with? Where do I feel like I'm missing out? Like, what am I trying to prove? Like, it's a great question. And then he says, and why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? 
Meaning my desires, like good desires, are pushing me so hard. I'm not enjoying anything. I'm not even enjoying what I have. I'm not even enjoying the life that I have. I'm just constantly, there's gotta be more and I'm filling it up with more and I'm chasing one more thing and I can never stop. And the crazy thing about this, he's asking this question and he doesn't come to a conclusion. He's like, I don't know the answer. (laughs) I don't know why I'm doing this. I don't know why I stay on this treadmill. I'm not sure why I keep giving in to this version of normal. And then he ends with this and you're like, you need to give this guy a hug. He just says, this too is meaningless, a miserable business. And his whole point is this. If all you've got is under the sun, if you are just chasing these desires to the point that they are overextending your capacity, it means that there is something bigger going on than your schedule being out of whack. There is something that is not right in your soul. And Solomon would say, I know that you always think there's one more thing. If I can just get it, that's gonna be enough. Solomon's like, no, 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 I already got it. It's not enough. It overpromises and it underdelivers every single time. So here, here's the question that I wanna ask you, and then I wanna move into a couple of things the next couple of weeks that are really, really practical. But my whole goal in these first two weeks is to create awareness because the first thing to go, as I've already said, with our hurry is our awareness. And if you don't have awareness, you do not have wisdom. And if you do not have wisdom that the fact that what you are doing today is leading you in a direction you may not wanna go, you will never change. Until you feel that, you will never change. And one of the tragedies of my position is watching people methodically move in a direction and then get to a season of their life and be surprised about the fact that they made every decision possible to end up here and then they're surprised that they ended up here. It's just wisdom. It's cause and effect. You end up in the direction that you're going. And so here's the question. What is propelling your pace. Like what's propelling your pace? Last week, like what's the price of my pace? Meaning the decision I'm making right now in every area of my life, they are leading me in a direction. And before I can do anything, I just have to stop to answer the question, where am I heading? Because what I give attention to is gonna direct me. But what's propelling your pace? Meaning, why are you doing what you're doing? This is like what Solomon is encouraging us to do. Have you ever stopped to ask the question in maybe every arena of your life because your life is just on fire right now or maybe in a specific arena of your life? Like, why am I doing this? Like, why am I chasing this? Why am I giving into this? Why am I allowing myself to feel like this and then just chalking it up to, well, this is just normal what everybody does. And for some of us, if we were to create enough space and enough awareness the answer to some of those questions would be really uncomfortable. I'm doing this, I'm pursuing this because I feel like if I don't, I don't matter. If that's your tension, it is really difficult to say no on your schedule. Listen, I'm doing this because I feel like I gotta keep up. I gotta keep up with her or them or them. I don't actually even know them and they don't know that we're competing, but we are. I feel like that when I do this, that I'm enough. Like I this achievement, this progress, this success, their affirmation. Like if I were to just be really brutally honest about why I'm doing what I'm doing, that's why I'm doing what I'm doing. All of those desires have kind of taken control and it is my source of identity. And I feel like if I say no, if I let them down, if I don't do it, if I place limits on this, like honestly, like I feel like I don't measure up. 
I feel like I don't matter. I, don't, I feel like I'm, I'm not enough. And then Solomon says this. This is the verse right before what we looked at. Solomon basically says, listen, it's not worth it. I love what he says in verse six. Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. Basically, Solomon's like this. Listen, it's better that you live with one handful with contentment and peace then live your life trying to get two handfuls, just one more on my schedule. We can do it. We can make it work. We got you. That we, you know, it's, it's fine. It's just for a season. Eventually, it'll be over. It is better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls trying to get more, constantly being overextended in your schedule, anxiety-ridden, depressed, screen-addicted, and not liking your life. Someone's like, it's not worth it. And come on, is there any better description than chasing after the wind? Someone's like, you just keep doing the same thing over and over again, expecting that someday it's gonna get better. It's not going to get better. So what is propelling your pace? Because here's the price of your pace. If you continue for some of us at the rate that you're going, that again, we answered last week, the reality is, this is what Solomon is kind of unearthing for us. If you continue to move at the rate that you're moving, the thing that you are going to give up is contentment. And if you don't have contentment, you will never have peace. And mark it down. If you don't have peace, you will sabotage what matters most in your life. And I'll tell you what matters most in your life, your relationships. The success of your life is gonna be determined by the success of your relationships. And for some of us, because we've never created the awareness around this, in our effort to matter, we're giving up what matters most. And we have created avoidable regret. Your overextended capacity is an indication of your misplaced identity. And as I said last week, it doesn't mean that there's not busyness. Like busyness and things that matter, like God's actually created you for that. I said last week, like I got four kids, eight, six, four, one, I'm leading stuff. It's like, my life is gonna be busy for a while, but I do not have to live at a pace where my soul is constantly chasing after things that God has never caused me to chase after. And the thing that I constantly have to use as kind of my guardrails for my life is when my life is being overextended capacity-wise, generally, I have some kind of misplaced identity somewhere, and here's the reality. God wants to fulfill the desires that he has placed inside of you, and he's going to do it by you leaning into your limitations, not by overextending them and mounting up on wings as eagles and just overcoming and beyond, and we're going to defeat it, and it's an obstacle. No, no, that's great. It's a great American theology. One of the ways that God's going to direct his will, his destiny for your life is to go, these are my limitations, and I'm going to lean into my limits because leaning into my limits is an invitation for God to work in my life. Like the scripture says this, that God has given you a race to run that God has a will and a destiny for your life. One of my favorite verses that's generally misinterpreted in Ephesians is this, that God wants to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his what? Unbelievably weak. According to his what? 
you get a pass. He is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. Just read the verse, Brian. According to his power that is at work in you. And here's what this means. Again, so taken out of context, that God wants to do immeasurably more than you can even ask or imagine with your life. Leaning into your limits is not settling. Leaning into your limits is like, well, I just gotta be passive. No, no, that's not what he's saying. God has created you with a personality to achieve things, to build stuff, to grow, to matter, to make a difference in this world. But what it's saying is, God wants to do immeasurably more according to the power, this is so important, that is at work in you. Meaning, God has placed in you exactly what you need to do what he's called you to do to run the race that he's called you to run, to live at the pace that he's called you to live at. And the moment you start to run somebody else's race and live at somebody else's pace is the moment that you forfeit the power that God has given you to run your race and to run at your pace. See, it's not an issue of maybe I'm gonna give up and settle. No, no, you're gonna give up something. You're gonna give up what God might have done in your life if you would have leaned into your limits to go, God can do more with my limits than I'm ever gonna be able to do with overextending my capacity. And see, here's the problem for a lot of us. This is the way we see it. We see limitations as a lid, like we just do. It's a lid of my fulfillment, my peace. If I can just get more, I think actually, actually I would enjoy this like, it's a limitation to ultimately my success. Like we see limitations as a lid. God sees your limitations as a doorway. That your limitations don't create a lid. They create divine potential that actually expands. And this is the lie that we've believed all the way back from the beginning. God actually says to us, no, maximum potential, maximum fulfillment, maximum pleasure, maximum achievement is found in me as you lean into what I have for your life. And when you are willing at the level of your schedule to go, God, I declare that I trust you. It is a powerful thing because listen, here's what you find in the scripture is that God always moves in the direction of trust. God always moves in the direction of faith. And the moment we are willing to go as hard as it is to say no, as hard as it is to rearrange this, as hard as it is to get off the normal treadmill that everybody else is on, as hard as it is to rearrange my lifestyle, it is a declaration to God that, listen, I have limits. I was born with limited capacity. I'm going to lean into my limits. And as I lean into my limits, it's literally an invitation. God, I am going to trust you. And the moment we are willing to declare our trust and our faith in God, it is an open door for God to go, that's where I wanna work. That's where I wanna do immeasurably more than you can ever ask, think, or imagine. But it's gonna happen as you sync up with the rhythm, the race, and the pace that I have designed for your life. And so the issue is not your schedule. The issue is, do you trust me? Do you believe me? Will you follow me in this area of your life? And here's the argument that I would make. This is Jesus' invitation. This is the way of Jesus. You accomplish more and you give up less. Because Jesus says, I know you. I created you. I designed a race for you to run. I have a will, I have a destiny. I have a purpose for your life. I know it better than anybody else. So I want you to follow me. It's why he said, Matthew eleven twenty twenty nine. 29, you will find rest for your soul. Because for a lot of you, it's not your body that needs a rest. You think it is, your soul needs a rest. And your soul and your misplaced desires that are overextending your capacity, they're driving your body to do things they were never designed to do. And so here's, here's what it really comes down to. It comes down to who are you going to believe? Because here's what 
rest for your souls. This is how you would define it in two words. I'm enough. Like that, if you wanna know what did Jesus mean by what Jesus said, I, I wanna give you rest for your souls. Rest for your soul, that place of emotions, will, desires, the, the epicenter of your identity, who you are. Rest for your soul is getting to a place where you don't just believe it, but you trust in it. I am enough. And this is my message until I die. And honestly, I could just preach this every week and it would be enough. And I could just change the wording a little bit because if you just got this, your whole Christian journey, it would be enough for you. That in Christ, the moment you place your faith and trust in him, and this is what we believe the gospel is, is that Jesus came, lived the life we couldn't, died the death we should have died on the cross, walked out of a grave alive three days later. You should study it historically. I think it happened in history, which changes everything. And then his invitation, if you would place your faith and trust in me, I'm not just giving you heaven when you die, literally. I'm giving you the benefits of my life. I lived the life that you couldn't. And now when you place your faith and trust in me, there is a massive transaction where I take your sin, I give you forgiveness, and I literally give you new life, which means this, that when Jesus walked planet earth, he was the epicenter of achievement and success and fulfillment and earning and being worthy and loved and accepted. And so the moment you place your faith and trust in him, the declaration of your savior and your heavenly father is this, that you are more loved and more accepted and more worthy and more secure than you are ever going to be in your life. And you are that way when you earn, you're that way when you don't earn, you're that way when you're successful, you're that way when you're not successful. That literally I live the life that you could not live. And so because of what I've done, I'm handing you all that I've done on your behalf. You have achieved, you are successful, you have earned, you have finished the race, you have have accomplished it. You are worthy. You are secure. You are loved. You are accepted. You have all of my favor on you. And that is not demotivating. That's actually motivating because you begin to do the same work from a different place that says, I don't need to do this to be accepted or for acceptance. I'm doing this from acceptance where my soul is free and liberated and I don't have to worry about saying no to you and I don't need to say yes to you and I don't need to cram my kids into 14 activities and I don't need to worry about what normal is in my culture and I can look like a freak and not care because what do I care about what you think about me, about letting you down, about hurting your feelings when I serve the creator God of the universe that says, you're my son, you're my daughter, you've earn. You're worthy. You succeeded. All of my favor is on you. So I can live at the pace of how he's designed me. I can live the race that he's given to me because he is all that's mattered. And I'm telling you, when that moves from your head to your heart, where you don't just believe it, but you trust in it to go, I am enough. I am enough. This area of my life that is so playing on this insecurity and these desires that have overrun me, I just wanna lean into the reality, I'm enough, no. I'm enough, we're not doing that anymore. I'm enough, I'm not running at that pace any longer. I'm enough. I'm gonna rearrange my lifestyle and I'm gonna create just enough awareness to know where I'm headed that'll give me the wisdom to, to know where I wanna end up. And then God, I'm going to trust you. I'm gonna follow you because your invitation is come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I'll give you rest. And I wanna live my life from a place of rest. And when you can do that, you will live liberated. You will live free. 
And so many of you, the exhaustion level of your life is because your desires for more, good desires that God has given you have overextended your capacity because you have misplaced your identity. And the moment you begin to rearrange that, and here's why your schedule is such a big deal, and we'll look at this next week, when you can begin to take your schedule and your lifestyle, because you won't change your life without changing your lifestyle. When you begin to look at it, every time it wars against that tension, I'm enough, am I enough? When you decide to act anyway, to say no anyway, to say yes anyway, it is a declaration of trust. It is a declaration of God. I want you to work in this area of my life and I want to trust you. And by the way, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world, your sister-in-law's approval, the curated Instagram images, or fit in the 19 activities. Like what is it to gain the whole world and, let you, and yet lose your soul? So as we end, where have you overextended your capacity? And you can make all the excuses in the world and it's the season, it's gonna get better and I get it. Where have you overextended your capacity? Where is your schedule leading you in a direction if you create enough awareness that, that ultimately leads to wisdom? It's leading you in a place that ultimately you don't wanna end up. And then the second question is this, what is propelling that pace? Why are you doing what you're doing? Why, why do you feel that? Why are you so imprisoned by cultural normal that you just have to do this? But what's propelling your pace? And as we'll begin to look at next week, what do you need to stop doing as a result of your answer to that question? What do you need to do less of? Like, what do you need to reevaluate? What do you need to realize that, that maybe you've, you've never realized this isn't just a schedule thing? There's something deeper going on in my soul. And Jesus, I wanna surrender this to you. So what is propelling your pace? Why? Why? No, for real, why? You have an endless capacity and so do I to lie to ourselves. Why are you doing what you're doing? And I'll just end with this. I love David's words. Delight yourself in the Lord. You know what that means? Lean in to what God says about you. That's what it means to delight. Lean into his declaration over your life that should be enough for you. He's like, I did not die and come back from the grave so that you could be seduced by lesser desires that constantly cause you questioning whether you are enough. You are enough. Delight yourself in the Lord and what God says about you and God's validation over you. And he will give you the desires of your heart. Literal translation, he will transform the desires of your heart. That your desires will begin to link up with the rhythm and the race and the pace that God has designed for you. And I'm telling you, maximum fulfillment, maximum progress, Maximum achievement, maximum success is going to be found within the confines of God's desire and destiny and plan for your life. And listen, as a result, you will have contentment and you will have peace. And guess what every single individual at the end of their life wants regardless of what they achieved? They want peace. And Jesus says, come to me. Would you guys pray with me wherever you're at? Jesus, thank you so much for the clarity that you've given us over 2,000 years. I thank you for your invitation. And I know that this hits us in a thousand different directions. 
But I pray that you would give us the wisdom that we need to do what you're asking us to do right now in this moment. And for some of us, just this, just this time together has begun, has begun to create some margin for awareness about maybe where we're going, about where our decisions and lifestyle is leading us, and ultimately, we don't wanna end up there. And so God, I pray that you would give us the courage to begin to look at our life and look at our lifestyle. And Lord, at the level of our schedule and our to-do lists and what we're trying to cram in day after day after day that for a lot of us emotionally is leading us in a direction that we don't wanna go. I pray that we would just create enough space to realize like you have placed capacity limits on our life and you have given us good desires. But when those desires overextend our capacity, it means that something is wrong in our soul. And so I pray that you'd help many of us that we've just over time, we've misplaced our identity. And it's led us in a direction that we don't wanna go. And that maybe for the first time, we would move from believe that, which many of us do, to trust in. And that as we begin to rearrange our schedules, rearrange our lifestyle, it would force us in to begin to lean in to this reality and your word spoken over us, maybe every single day. I am enough in you. I am worthy in you. I am loved in you. I am accepted in you. And until I feel that, I'm never gonna be able to change my life. And so God, do what you wanna do in this place. Give us wisdom to take the the steps that we need to take. For some, it's to fully engage what you call the bride of Christ, which is your church, to take a next step, to get into next steps, to figure out how to serve, how to get into community, because we're not gonna do this without other people living and doing life with us. And so God, give them the courage today, not just to sit in rows or click online, but literally take a step to go, I wanna be a part of this. I wanna take a next step. I want you to work through your church. But whatever it is you are asking us to do, give us the courage to do it. And we pray this in your incredible name, the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this message or have been impacted by Centerpoint Church in any way, would you consider helping us out in one of two ways? First, if you would just spread the word, share this message with your friends, family. Maybe you could go rate and review our podcast on your favorite podcast catcher, but this helps us so much more than you know. And secondly, this ministry is supported by people like you through their financial generosity. And so if you've been impacted by any of these messages, would you consider giving to support the mission and vision of Centerpoint to see people reach with the radical grace of Jesus? You can give today on our website at centerpointfl.org. And again, that's centerpointfl.org.